the most important thing about building relationships is that you give more than you take because so many people are you know they want to get what they can from you you know they're not as eager to give and i always when i meet new business women i just met someone new yesterday and i made sure before we hung up that i said what can i do for you Welcome to Making It to Market, the podcast where we discuss everything about taking your product or service idea through to commercialization. I'm your host, Dahlia Collada. What happens if you start a business, then for whatever reason, you have to shut it down? What do you do next? Today, we'll be hearing the story of one entrepreneur who found herself in this exact situation. She had to rely not only on the strong relationships that she has built over time, but more so on the personal brand that she has carefully cultivated, both of which were instrumental as she successfully transitioned from a store owner to her next project, business consulting. She'll also share some lessons learned. Guess what? At the end of today's episode, we're featuring an indie musical artist. You don't want to miss it. Information, links, and a transcript from today's episode are available in the show notes. Let's get into it. Joining me today is an industry expert you have got to meet. Not only has she been a business owner herself managing a brick and mortar, but she's also been behind the scenes helping to cultivate other business owners, influencers, and public figures through her executive coaching and reputation management programs. She's an uber creative marketer helping those small to medium-sized businesses and individuals establish strategic social media marketing, public relations, and inbound marketing programs. Her mission is to help companies achieve brand awareness and increase bottom line profits through her consulting expertise. Today's guest is the owner and creative business consultant at Central 515 Consulting out of Houston, Texas. I've personally known this guest for 10 years now and have witnessed her true compassion to see businesses and people succeed. She really does care about your success and growth. Sherry Eichberger, welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome, and thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. I'm super happy you're on. You're the first person I thought of when I thought to create this podcast. I said, Sherry is the first person (laughs) I have to reach out to, so I'm so glad and honored that you're here. I love it. Thank you. So before we get started, is it true that you've been in three horror films? (laughs) Yes, actually, they're very B, maybe B minus films. But yes, I have. And the only so you can definitely find me on IMBD. um, Or is it DB? IMDB. IMDB. You can see what a pro I am. Um, But yeah, um, the only only caveat I had when asked to be in these films is I cannot be murdered or murder anyone. So (laughs) I am I am in three horror films, but I do not murder or do I get murdered? Oh, that's funny. (laughs) How did you even get started into that? So um, two of my really, really good friends are filmmakers. They have a film company and um, they're super, super creative. They've made many films and won many awards. And they were both uh, teaching at the high school that I worked at. One is a um, photography like expert and an author and the other one is a musician and a writer and they're just super creative and they made these films I love having people in my life that are creative like that or just have a unique skill set that I don't have it's just nice to 
have that diversity yes. in my in my in my friend group. That's kind of cool. Uh, I love 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 um, being around creative people. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, you're super creative yourself. So I mean, that's where you thrive. Thank you. Yes, yes. Thank okay, you. so okay, Sherry. When I met you, you had your own store. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience, that store, what you did, what what drove you to create that, and maybe what you did before that to led you up to creating a store? Sure, absolutely. Well, I've always been an entrepreneur my entire life, going back my earliest entrepreneurial memory venture was probably around eight years old. So I've always been an entrepreneur, but for um, many years I was in banking, and then I had my two children and I stayed at home. Most of the time, I still created businesses that were conducive to being a stay-at-home mom during that time. And then um, I got into teaching, early childhood, then working in the high school with high school-aged children. And then I had this vision um, after I lost a couple of good friends to leukemia in their 30s. Um, it really made a mark on me about, you know, is there really a place besides Whole Foods where you can go and if you want to live a healthy, you know, lifestyle, where can you go to shop for everything like a one stop shop and there just wasn't a place like that. So I created one. I had a vision, created a store called One Green Street in West University in Houston. And uh, we were extremely authentic. We carried everything from makeup to mattresses. I like to say all good <laughs> for good for people, good for planet. And even the store itself was LEED certified, the only LEED certified retailer at the time, which is um, leaders in energy and efficiency design. It's like the gold standard in green building. So we, even our space itself was clean. There was you know, no VOC paints and it was just a whole different vibe and experience. And um, I did that. I ran that store, every aspect of it um, from marketing to you know, sweeping the floors for four years. And unfortunately, I think we were ahead of our time or so most people say, because we were a beloved concept. We got lots of press. The mayor came and met me toward the store. Um, but it just, we kind of ran out of time and money. Yeah. And so we had to close the store. But during that time, I built so many relationships, um, kind of built my personal brand separate from my store brand, which um, someone really wise advised me to do early on which just meant that I, I did some speaking. I was authentic in my relationships, um, whether I was nurturing or starting or enhancing re relationships. And so when I closed the store, I was able to leverage some of those relationships um, when starting my current venture, which is my consulting business. And um, I still work with and um, partner with many people that I met during the time that I had my store. So um, I kind of, took everything I learned from both my successes and failures owning a brick and mortar business and use those tools now to help other small to, small to medium-sized businesses. And I lean on a lot of the relationships that I built during those four years, you know, running One Green Street as well. Yeah, it's, it's hard to be successful at anything without having relationships mm -hmm. and, you know, not burning bridges, but also getting through some really tough times together. Um, you know, for, for example, you and I, I've known you for 10 years. Like that's yes. a relationship that I'm really proud of. I mean, we might not have mm -hmm. been in touch every single day or every single yep. month, but just to know Sherry's there and Dahlia's there, it, that, and, and the relationships that you've built that you just explained, that's, you can't, I don't know. What is your belief on like having a, a success program in your life without, you can't have it without building relationships. 
I, I believe that you cannot. Um, I think to have any success in life, you can't do it yourself, right? You have to have um, sidekicks and relationships and different kinds of people in your life. And I will say, you know, I don't burn bridges, but I have over, you know, the course of the last 10, 15 years with these two businesses I started, there have been a couple bridges that have been burnt only because, only because I'm human and people are human. And owning a business is emotional. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. I don't want to say burning bridges, like I'm an awful person, but maybe I, I was in the moment and I didn't handle something the way that I wanted to. That's, that's minuscule compared to the strong relationships that I build. But I just think those are also teachable moments, right? Those are also moments where you're like, I should have handled this differently. And going forward, if this situation arises again, I will be better. I will do things differently. So, um, I think, you know, it happens to everybody, but I don't think you can be successful in life in any way, shape or form without healthy relationships and I people totally surrounding agree. you. I absolutely agree. And they might not necessarily be the same experience or expertise that you have. Just even if they're different, like for, for me, for example, formulating, there's not a whole lot of people that do what I do. So it's hard for me to have peers, but I still have other business owner peers. I have customers like these are all different positions in my life that impact and support me, uplift me, are never there for me. So it might not necessarily be that you need somebody who does exactly what you do, but just that diversity. Yes. How do relationships affect your personal brand? That's a great question. Um, well, I think that for me to grow as a personal brand, I don't advertise my consulting business and it'll be eight years in July, this July, I've only worked word of mouth. So what does that tell you? That tells you that because I'm trustworthy, because I'm a good communicator, because I do what I say I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do it, um, that resonates with people. Therefore, when they're talking to a friend or a colleague and they're saying, oh man, I really need to hire a marketing person or I really need to do a little PR on this new venture, my name comes to mind because they believe in me and I've proven that I am who I say I am. And I am, so I think that's really been great for me um, for a personal brand is because I'm, I'm very authentic, I'm very trustworthy. I'm a great communicator. I've met a lot of people with amazing skills. They might be a great designer. They might be a great website builder. They might even be a great um, connector, but they're not a great communicator. And I mm. think to be successful in business, you yeah. really have to either yourself be a great communicator or hire people yes. that are great communicators. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been told that over and over and over again by clients, how much they appreciate you know, the turnaround time on projects, me getting back to them right away. Um, I always want every single one of my clients to feel like they're my only client. Yes. And the only way to do that is to make sure that you are communicating properly and giving them the attention that they, they need and deserve. So I may have eight clients, but I want them to think they're my only client. Yeah. And, and that's, that goes back to building the relationships. Yeah, I, I feel like I try to establish that type of connection with my customers too. They have my cell phone, we text each other, you know, I answer 99% of the time when they call me and they, and it, I make them feel like you said, like they're the only customer and that builds trust that builds yes. that friendship. It's not just an exchange of goods and services. It's 
it's a relationship. And I think people yeah. need to really embrace the relationship and stop thinking about the transactional approach because transactional is fine. It's just not sustainable. Mm -hmm. That's right. So what is a personal brand and why does it even matter? Well, I think, I think we, we, even in a, on a daily basis, we invest in people and companies and businesses that we like, that we trust. And I think it's no different in the consulting world or in the world that you're in or the industry that you're in. I mean, I, I go to my pharmacist and I trust all of my medications with a certain pharmacist because not just because they're, um, they went to pharmacy school and they know what they're doing. They know my name mm -hmm. when I walk up to the oh. counter. They know that, you know, they yes. ask how my, my first grandchild is. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think I want to talk about that too at some point is about relationships. Relationships, there's, there's a range, right? So there's like your, your business partner, your husband, your spouse, your sister, your family, the closest people. But then there's also that person, the, like the postman or the at the postal where if you're someone who you're dropping off packages that always smiles, knows your name, mm -hmm. like, you know, the same thing you, you can say, Oh my gosh, I'm late. I'm getting this out. And he gives you a wink and says, I'm putting it, you know, I'm taking it to the truck right now for you. You know, yeah. like it's like those relationships, like it's not just like um, the person that you want something from or need something from it's, it's just the smallest relationship, oh, so uh, you know, with the postal thing. And so I think a personal brand is just goes back to what I just keep saying is, um, people know me, they like me, they trust me. I'm authentic. I'm transparent. I'm caring. Um, I, I create boundaries, but I'm also accessible. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that really helped me to create this consulting company because when one green street, when the doors closed to one green street, I was still open for business. Cause as you're a the brand. brand. Yes, that's yes. right. That's right. And yeah. So I don't know if that makes and sense. And you can but. take your brand, that reputation, I guess you can equate a brand with a rep, your reputation. Yes. Mm -hmm. You can take that anywhere. Anywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to consulting with other professionals, for example, or other business owners, how do you, what is, how do you teach them to prioritize? How is prioritizing a play in your consulting practice? It depends what they need to prioritize. So um, what I like to do in the beginning, I've kind of shared this with you before, before I even hit the ground running with a client, whether they just need straight consulting, executive coaching, PR, um, social media help, whatever is, I'd like to do kind of a loose interview, almost kind of like what we're doing. I really need to know, because sometimes when dealing with a new client who needs consulting, they think they need one thing, but they really need mm -hmm. another thing. Yes. So I have, I have to ask questions, number one. And then I also have to listen to them because um, I can't really tell them what to prioritize till I really understand their business, what their goals are, what they're, where they are now compared to where they want to be. Um, and once I get a good um, kind of a, some good clarity about that, then I can tell them, you know, what to prioritize, or you should be, you're not giving this so much, this as much attention as you should, or mm -hmm. you're spending too much time on this. This is not going to, you know, increase your bottom line, mm -hmm. but this will. And so each situation is different because I have a very diverse roster of clients. So it just depends working with an in individual influencer versus a nonprofit. 
you know, um, it's just different. So, um, but it's, it, to me, it's always about asking the right questions and listening to the client. Then I have a jump off point from there. So you, it sounds like you might be customizing your approach depending on the circumstance, the customer, where they are in their business, their goals. Do you help them establish goals or do they usually come to you with goals? I can. Um, I, I've probably only helped maybe a dozen clients with goal setting over the years. It's always interesting to me because I'm a goal setting person. I taught my children to be goal setting goal setters. I've always been that way, like handwritten, you know, personal. Uh, my husband and I have marital goals. We each have our personal goals. We have our goals for our home. I have my goals for my business. And they're always written down because there's power in that. Um, but I'm always shocked at even some of the most successful clients I work with that have never written down a goal, that don't really understand goal setting. Um, and it's not that complicated, to be honest, but I think people are afraid of it because they don't really understand how to do it or why it's important. Why is it important? I think it's important because you can't hit a target you don't see. Like if you're trying, right? If you're trying, I mean, if you want to go from A to Z, where's Z? How are you mm -hmm. going to get there? I mean, to me, it's just like a no brainer, but um, that's what I always like to say. Like you have to have a goal to see, kind of get a baseline where you are now, how far you've gotten. You don't always have to reach your goal, but you have to show some kind of advancement towards your goal. Um, and it just also reinforces that you're on the right track, that you're in motion, that you're doing something positive. So um, a lot of businesses don't, and people don't factor goals into their strategy. Um, but I have helped some clients with it successfully over the years. So if, if businesses sometimes don't have a goal, um, how do they, like, what should they aim for? Should they aim for a, a, a like a timeline? Should they aim for a 10 year goal? What's when you, when you don't have goals in place, what is a realistic expectation as far as setting goals, as far as timelines go and maybe measuring those goals and the outcomes? Right. I think a lot of companies have like benchmarks and I think they, they might say it's a lot of it is tied to bottom line profits and finances. And so maybe I'm, I'm saying they don't have goals because most companies that you know, are trying to earn money, they'll say, you know, well, we made 10,000 last year, we want to make 15,000 this year and 20,000 the next year, they're very basic, you know, benchmarks or goals, but I don't really see companies looking at um, employee retention goals, like really having some serious, well thought out goals um, that are far reaching, not just monetary, you know, with retention, with um, employee retention, customer retention, all these other um, things that they should be looking at. Um, um, if they get earned and, you know, press, um, things like that, awards, you know, different things. There's a lot of different benchmarks um, and goals that companies could be setting. Instead, they're just trying to get through the day, right? So they're very reactive with the way they're um, running their business instead of being proactive, which is where I come in because I'm a strategy, I'm a strategic person. Um, and so I don't, I want to look at your marketing calendar for the whole year not, oh, today's March 31st, I guess we better decide what kind of content we're going to create for April, you know, when it's like knocking on your door. Like, um, so a lot of companies are just trying to survive. I've been there, like just trying to get through the day, especially now shorthanded, nobody wants to work. They're not thinking about goal setting. They're not thinking about planning six months or a year in advance and what that looks like. So, um, 
that's really where I've been able to help is I have a very strategic approach, very organized with my thoughts and ideas. And um, <laughs> I was just going to say, I wish I, you're just making me think that I wish I had more uh, goal setting projects because um, I think it's super important. Yeah. You're right. Some people who get caught up in the day to day forget to set their goals. How, what advice do you give to somebody who just doesn't seem to catch up? Like, how do you get them to the other side? Like, what's your advice to those people? So if it's, I've worked with, <laughs> I've worked with companies and business owners that just seem like they're on that hamster wheel. And yes. honestly, and truly, sometimes it's just their business acumen, like it's just the way they run their personalities and the way they run a business. So in that case, it's, it's time to take a hard look and maybe hire somebody mm. that, you know, can get you organized, yeah. um, whether that's me or somebody that you hire within the company full time, that is um, a project manager, or there's some business owners that just don't know how to organize and propel their company forward. And, um, but there's basic things like, um, like I said, like goal setting, creating benchmarks, um, actually sitting down and, and having like content calendars and being very um, deliberate and intentional with content that you're creating and making sure that you're all areas of business are covered and that you're, you know, you're running on all cylinders. So it just depends. Like I said, everybody is so different. Um, but some people have the heart and the desire to run a business. They have a great idea, but they have no business running a business. That sounds horrible. Yeah, what a, they really need help, you yeah. know? Who shouldn't be in business? Describe that personality or the lack of ex expertise, maybe. Like, who should not be in business? I think somebody who has does not have drive, somebody that does not um, have passion, determination, drive, perseverance, because running a business is hard and you have to really love it. And like when I, when I had my store, I don't remember a single day and I w was there six days a week from sunup to sundown, not jumping out of the bed, so excited to go mm, in, yes. even if we had zero sales for the day, <laughs> yeah. because I was so passionate about what I was doing. And if you don't have that, then on the really bad days, you'll want to quit or you mm -hmm. won't continue to give everything you have, or you won't be lucid when it comes to what your needs are and where the gaps are and how you need help, or you won't be, um, as quick, quickly to as quick to pivot or, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I feel like I've had people tell me, you know, Sherry, your business was just run on passion and determination. And I think that's, true in, in some, some oh, ways. Yeah. And you could feel it like as like a patron coming into your store. As soon as you walk up the lawn into opening the door, like the, the whole experience from the whole sensory experience from the smell mm -hmm. to just the energy, yeah. like you really could feel a different energy and the colors and the placement of everything. It was just, wow. I mean, you did a really good job with that place. And I, and I miss you. it. Yeah, I miss it. Uh, yeah. I do too. Uh, I do too, girl. Okay. And I still have people. I mean, I cannot tell you. I mean, people in the press, because I do like PR and stuff. And so like, I'll, I'll reach out to someone that used to cover me at my store for another client. And they'll be like, man, I love covering your store. And maybe it'll come back all the time. Maybe you'll bring it back one day. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but, yeah. But <laughs> 
Yeah, I think uh, I, I think people go into business because they might have an idea that was successful in their own household, um, but they might not package mm-hmm. it well enough um, or mm-hmm. create it well enough to actually sell it. And I think what matters more to me, in my opinion, just being a marketing consultant in my past life, is your brand, your personal brand. You can have the most mm-hmm. amazing, shiny, beautiful, you know, work the product works everything is great about it but if your personality sucks and you're not personable and you don't you're not responsive and you just are you're just not pleasant i I don't want to work with you because people want to do business with people they like not necessarily with the product that they're purchasing so personal brands critical Yes. With, with people they like, know, and trust, right. That's the thing. I remember I was curating, I was doing a holiday, um, shopping event. I was curating vendors for a client and there was a salsa brand. That's a Houston based family owned salsa brand. And I'm telling you their salsa is the best I've ever had. And we had them. Is that the one that has a green, that has the, they have a green sauce and then they've got like the Chipotle. You were, you were at the event. Oh yes, I know what you're talking, talking about. about. Their stuff is good. Yes, mm-hmm. their stuff is great. They're they're local, and I'm all about that. And the guy, the owner of the company, was the most unpleasant business owner that I've ever worked with or come across. And I thought, no matter how much I love this salsa, I will never buy it again. Nor will I recommend them for a tabling event or anything of the sort. It, I, he was so off putting, like you mm-hmm. said. So you could have a great product, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know why people do that, go into business and then well, treat their, their, I think they, they fail to understand that the experience that people are going to have is not just with your product. It's with you because mm-hmm. you're the brand as well. And I think people don't understand mm-hmm. that, that you are just as much the brand as that glass container with some red tomatoes crushed up inside. Yes. It's the same thing. It's the same brand. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Okay. So what advice do you give to someone? Well, let me, let me, before I ask you about the advice, when do businesses fail? Other Mm. than, other than the lack of relationships and the brand personality of the person who's maybe running it or all the representatives or brand ambassadors, other than that element, where do brands and companies fail? I think that there are a lot of reasons that brands fail. I know, um, for me, I, it took me a while to not say the word fail with my store um, because I don't want to look at it as a failure because we touched many lives. We did many great things with our store. We just ran out of time and money. We, you know, we just couldn't, even though we were starting to turn a profit, a very tiny profit after four years, we didn't, we just ran out of money. You know, we couldn't keep putting money until we turned the profit we needed to keep going. But like I say like stores, like big stores, like um, Palais Royal or like um, um, some of these other stores that just, they've been around forever and they go away. They just fail to pivot. Mm-hmm. They just fail to change. Mm-hmm. There's there's uh, an, some something ego-wise going on with the people um, running it that they just think they're the greatest and they don't need to change or pivot. And then they just end up dying yeah, away. They you don't know? innovate. Like, they don't innovate. If you look mm-hmm. at like Target and, you know, Target was right along with some of these other stores and look at how they've like mm-hmm. reinvented themselves. And, and, you know, so I think just um, the willing, the willingness to kind of pivot and try new things. And when things aren't working, take a hard look, put your ego aside make changes. 
Um, and the companies that refuse to do that, they, they fail. Um, I think sometimes just capital or lack of capital in our case. And then I also think some people just shouldn't go into business. Like you said, I think uh, people think it's easier than it is. Um, they think, you know, hey, if I create this, the people will just come. Oh, yeah. They don't realize, you know, what's involved in marketing yes. and all the noise and competition out there. And how how do you, you know, cut through all of that? So I think there's a lot, a lot of reasons. Um, honestly, I can really only speak to myself. I, I have, there's only two clients I've worked with in eight years that have closed their doors um, since I've been doing this that I've worked with. And one of them, was a franchise owner, a mother and son who refused. They hired me and I worked with them for over two years and they just didn't do anything I told them to do. And it was really hard for me because they're paying me. I'm doing my job and my part, but the follow through is not there. And at the end of the day, they had to um, sell the franchise and get out of business. So um, that's kind of, I guess, what I was saying earlier about not wanting to like pivot or, or listen to anybody, you know, mm -hmm. they just should not have been running a business. They thought it would be easy and it was a franchise. So they probably thought, oh, you know, the it's work's already, already been there. done. Yeah. I just got to. And so I just think there's misconceptions about what it takes to run a business. Oh, too. And some people just aren't, aren't cut out for it. Agreed. So what do you say to that, to those people who have maybe closed a business down and have had to reinvent themselves or start over? What advice do you have to those folks? Um, that's a great question because that's exactly what I did. <laughs> I, I uh, thought that when Green Street was my purpose. And then when I had to close the doors, I was devastated. And, and again, searching and, and seeking why and what if that was my purpose, what do I do now? And I think it, it took me just a minute, but I realized that um, I was just meant, I was just meant to be a business owner. And so I just kind of pulled up my bootstraps and, um, I'm a seeker. I'm always, I'm always looking for signs. I'm always seeking knowledge, um, relationships. I'm just a seeker. And so I decided my passion and determination did not go away when the store closed. So I just need to take that and channel it somewhere else. And I'm also a person that my goal in life is to help people. Mm -hmm. So how can I take all my gifts and talents, uh, my passion, my determination, everything I've learned from this past experience, instead of curling up in a ball, crying and blaming the world, how can I take all of that and use it for good? And that's how I created, that's why I created my consulting business. So I think it takes a strong person to do that too. Cause when you close a business, it's like losing a child. Like it's, it's painful. It I mean, yeah. when you put everything you have emotionally, physically, financially yes. into something mm -hmm. and then it goes away, it's devastating. So I think it also mm -hmm. takes a strong person to say, okay, what am I going to do now? I'm not going to let this get the best of me. And I made a very conscious decision that I was not going to be that person. And I knew I needed to have my own business and I created another one <laughs> in my fifties, one of my forties, one of my fifties. Yeah. And most people are like, yeah, I think I'll retire, you know? Yeah, no, no retiring yeah. for an entrepreneur. It doesn't even happen. It will never No, happen. Our brains never. Don't, do not rest. <laughs> That's right. Uh. I'm with Sherry Eichberger of central515.com. Stick around till after the break. You don't want to miss the discussion about accepting failure and managing your ego's expectations. I 
guess when you're pivoting in business and you just, any entrepreneur has to accept that things might fail. Um, and I know you don't like that word. How do you define failure and rejection? Mm. That's a good question. It's not that I don't like the word fail. I just don't think that my first business failed. I, 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 I just had to reframe how that ended. Um, and I, I just couldn't look at it as a failure because I've had so many people tell me, you know, what an impact it made on their life and how can that be a failure? But mm -hmm. um, failure and rejection as an entrepreneur, 100%. And I think for a true entrepreneur, that drives you. So mm -hmm. if you're not really an entrepreneur and you don't have that entrepreneurial spirit, it could crush you easily. But if you truly are an entrepreneur and you have that spirit, within you, it will do the opposite, which mm. it did for me. It, it drove me. I thought, no, I am, I am my own personal brand. The doors yes. to the store are closed, but I'm still open. Mm -hmm. What can I do with what God gave me? So, and you're innovating, you're pivoting and innovating, which is pivoting. The, yes, yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. And what a waste if I didn't, if I, and I mean, some people have to do this. I happen to have a very supportive husband in every way. And I was able to kind of say, okay, I'm going to do something else. You know, I'm not, um, the sole breadwinner, but, um, honestly, I just, I, I just knew I had to do something else and just started praying about it and continue to speak. And, but what, a, to me anyway, for my, my situation, what a waste I think it would have been if I would have just said, oh, that was horrible. What a failure. I'm going to go be a greeter at Walmart. No, no offense to the greeters at Walmart, but you know what I mean? Yeah. What a waste because I, I still have so much to give and I've helped already so many, like almost 200 businesses in the last eight years. And none of that would have happened if I would have just, you know, said, ah, that was a failure. I'm, I'm done. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's always failure. I mean, there's always some sense of, okay, that didn't work. But yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you should, I don't think people should think of failure as necessarily a negative thing. Right. It, it's more of a, a closure to a chapter maybe. Yes. And the beginning of something else. Yes. But, but I think too, you have to be very self-aware as far as setting your ego to the side, because I think the ego can drive you into very 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 negative places emotionally mentally it can really drive you down and not not allow you to get back up again what do you think about ego and and having a personal uh, brand and transitioning in life and well I have to tell you a quick story so what I didn't say is when I knew I was going to be closing uh one green street I thought what can I do right away um that's likened to what I've been doing. And so I applied for a position at Whole Foods, uh, which was like a competitor, kind of like in the same vein of what I was doing, sustainable, clean, non-toxic, healthy products and so on. And I applied for a buyer in their beauty, you know, supplements, health and beauty. And I was like, that is perfect. I've been doing that for four years. I've been buying products and mm -hmm. I love it. And I applied for it and got it immediately. And I was so excited. And it was not at all what I thought it was going to be. In fact, I'll never forget one day they had me dusting shelves. I did very little buying, very little buying, and everything was controlled. So it was basically just, uh, we, you know, we always have to have 12 vitamin D bottles on the shelf. There's only six, Sherry, you need to order six more. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, anyway. <laughs> um, 
And every time I tried to suggest something outside of the box, I was kind of like silenced, you know? So anyway, but one day I was sitting on the floor after owning my own business, you know, being on TV and all these things for four years, I was sitting on the floor with little duster and one of my old clients from one green street says Sherry. And I'm literally looking up, I'm on the ground. So even just the whole <laughs> dynamic, dynamic. <laughs> and she's like, hi, I'm like, hi, I'm dusting talk about being humbled. Mm. Like in that moment, I was so humbled and it was just uh, one of those defining moments. And that was also one of those moments where I was like, I cannot work for anybody else. Like mm. I really need to be doing my own thing. Yeah. And the person was really nice, but it was just one of those moments. I was like, this is not what I'm meant to do. Sit on the floor and dust a shelf at Whole Foods after, you know, creating a startup from scratch, you know, like this is not right. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I mean, you you do have to humble yourself. I think um, that kind of goes back to businesses that fail because they refuse to change or pivot or, you know, whatever. And so you have to humble yourself and kind of put your ego aside to uh, many times to succeed and to move forward and be successful in business for sure. Well, you kind of have to go through some of those not so fun experiences to be who you are. You, you don't become Sherry the way you are now without having been sitting on the floor at Whole Foods dusting or having yeah. your previous customer come and talk to you. Like it, it, it makes you more well-rounded. I don't know if that's the right word, but it definitely teaches you some lessons and makes you for sure makes you prepared for the next thing. It's just different levels of life that you yes. have to go through. Yes. Yes. And I feel like you probably experienced rejection having a product, right? That you are trying to get, get to market and I've, I've had rejection my entire life. Like, you know, <laughs> like it's never ending. It's every day, you know, before I even started my business, I was doing marketing, technical marketing and brand management and consulting. And a lot of those industries were male dominated. And so I was, yes. I felt rejected just based on my gender. People thought I was 16, even though I was 30 something, you know, I just, yeah. I lacked a lot. I had, um, I, I was probably more tenured as far as experience goes than a lot of people that I've worked with, um, but I never got that respect. So I've had to work harder and, you know, fight harder and stay longer and act like a man, be like a man just to play in the, in the fields, the same fields, you know? So, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm preaching to all those women out there because every single woman, every single woman has gone through what I'm saying. So yeah, I yes. think I've been groomed to handle rejection and discrimination and, oh, why you, you're a woman. Why would you come up with an idea like that? I've had many people when I, when I created Salve, um, I've told my idea to many people and every single time someone said, oh, that's a terrible idea or that's not going to work. Or it was always a man. I always got that rejection from a man. And it was the yeah. women that were uplifting and positive and promoting. They might think it's a terrible idea too, but yet they were still um, my champion, my cheerleader. Yes. Yeah. So the rejection for me is continuous. And, you know, I, <laughs> I, I have, uh, I set very high expectations for myself too. And so, yes. uh, you know, and I don't care, honestly, I really don't care what people think about me. Either you like me or you yeah. do. And if you do great. And if you don't, I don't care. Um, because at the end of the day, I'm living with myself and I'm facing myself. So what matters is my experience here. Um, and people come and go in your life in different phases. They're not the same people that rejected you today or 
probably gone. They're not, you don't see them anymore. Yes. Right. And it's yes. okay to delete those negative people because what's well, yes. they're not serving you. So move on. But as far as yeah. rejection goes, um, yeah, I feel like I set goals for myself that I might not meet and I've got my own personal rejection. I've got my own personal defeats, but that's okay because, um, I'm like Gumby. I don't know if people old enough know who Gumby yeah. is, but you know, you, you're flexible and you bend and you just kind of go with the flow. And I think that's necessary for an entrepreneur anyway. Um, but I think understanding, and like you said, being humble and maybe putting the ego to the side sometimes helps you get through some of that rejection and, and get through some of those really hard times because there's good days, there's bad days. There's not always good days. There's not always yeah. bad days. And sometimes you'll find success and sometimes you won't. And, you know, that's normal. Like, why would you expect it to be there all the time? You just can't. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. I talk too much, Sherry. (laughs) No, you don't. Girl, I talk too much. We're the same. We're the same. (laughs) But yeah, you know, I'm a passionate entrepreneur. It doesn't matter what we're selling. It could be a service. It could be a product. You know, there's a sense of failure and rejection and all of these people are going to tell you, no, people are going to tell you your stuff sucks. It doesn't work, but you can yeah. go back. that goes back to that relationship. Well, let me figure out how to make it better. And then they see you fail. That's okay. They'll, they'll be forgiving because you're making an effort to remediate the problem, right? That's yes. that relationship going back to your personal brand and see people yeah. will remember this. If I, you know, stop my business, which, you know, it could happen anytime, right. For whatever reason, yeah. Um, I can pivot to something else and people will, Oh, Dahlia is that one that was responsive. She always, you know, if she didn't do something the correctly, she always wanted to make it better. You know, I think that brand image carries with you regardless if you are a marketing consultant or formulating a product or building 100%. something from scratch. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's really the brand and the and the story really starts with you as the person and it's exhibited through whatever medium you're selling with service product yes. whatever. But I also believe that your personal brand, you don't put it on and take it off. It's who you are 24/7 around your family, around your friends, around your neighbors, around everyone. Ooh, um, like because that. I don't just, I don't just want to get your business. Um, I want to be an example for my children. I want to inspire other women in my neighborhood or at my church. I want, I want my personal brand to be, to be for everyone, not just mm-hmm. for business. And something I definitely want to say that I have learned is the most important thing about building relationships is that you give more than you take. Because so many people are, you know, they want to get what they can from you. You know, they're not as eager to give. And I always, when I meet new business women, I just met someone new yesterday and I made sure before we hung up that I said, what can I do for you? I don't really know you, but I know you're hustling just like I am. You might be at a different place in your journey, but um, I believe in reciprocity. I believe in... um, you know, if your hands are out giving, they're also out to receive. And so I'm never closed off with how I give in relationships or otherwise. I think it's very important that we don't just always say, what can I get from that person? Oh, if I'm nice to that person, then she'll give me this. Just always think like, what can I do? And then naturally people will help you. Mm. So I just wanted to make sure I say that, you know? Absolutely. That's, that's a really good point. And it's very true. And I think karma, I don't know if you believe in karma, but karma 
that's karma right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What goes around comes around. I think it's also important for people to know that they can't do everything and they need mm -hmm. to know when, when to ask for help. Um, yes. What do you think? When, when, when should people ask for help? When something isn't working anymore, when, when you, you know, that kind of goes back to goal setting too. You know, you've got a goal, it's a defined goal. You're working towards it and you're consistently not meeting your goals. Why are you not meeting your goals? Because you're, maybe you're um, spread too thin. Maybe you need to hire a marketing person. Maybe you're understaffed. Maybe, you know, um, I think it's also humbling yourself and looking at what are my gifts and talents. I'm a creative I learned quickly when I ran every aspect of my business. I am not a money person. Don't ask me to manage the books. I had to hire someone to do that. But I could do a front window display like nobody's business mm -hmm. that would blow your wig, you know, your <laughs> wig back. So, I mean, so I, you know, I, I had to learn really quickly, like, okay, that is not what I'm good at. I'm not going to try to be good at it. I'm just going to hand it off to someone right, right off the bat. So I can spend more time doing the things that I am good at. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like really early on recognizing I can't do everything. Like you said, these are my strengths. This is what I love to do that I'm good at and everything else. I'm going to have to get someone else to do it for me. Cause if you try to do all the things, the things you're good at and the things you're not good at, you're not going to, you're not going to be successful. Yeah. So you've been doing this consulting for quite a while now and you have, mm -hmm. I guess you're a portfolio or people like in the hospitality industry, insurance, mm -hmm. um, you've done a lot with public figures and entertainers and influencers yep. and, um, of those types of, of clients you've had, what's been the hardest and what's been the easiest Mm, good question. The easiest is when, when a client hires me to do events. So like um, a launch event or a um, anniversary event or whatever, because, because events is so um, you know, heavy on the creative side, which is where I thrive, as you said earlier, like coming up with a theme and like just executing also I'm a, I'm a, I'm a great, um, I'm strategic, but I'm also a great like connector and partner. So like, I love pulling all kinds of different people together to make an event happen. So events is one of the hardest things that I do and time consuming, but probably what I love the most. Um, and because I love it, it's easy for me. And probably one of the hardest is, um, probably PR, even though I'm mm, good at it and I hard. like it. Only, only because you can never promise people mm -hmm. earned media, earned media, meaning that the press is going to like what you're selling and, and write about it or pick it up. And so sometimes there's disappointment associated with that on the client side. And so as good as I might be, and as many connections as I have, PR is just like a kind of can be a crapshoot sometimes. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. it's always nerve wracking for me. Um, so I guess that's probably, it. and I love straight consulting and coaching. I love just like these jolt sessions I told you that I do. Like, I love just sitting down with somebody. Someone just hired me. She just took over and bought a new business. And she goes, I just want to meet with you three months in a row, two hours um, a time. And I just want to pick your brain and I want to present obstacles and things I'm dealing with and have you help me. And we're going on our second month. And I, I love that. Like, mm -hmm. love it. Mm -hmm. um, just sitting there and like, just, you know, showering this person with all of my knowledge so that I can help them. True consulting. Yeah. True I consulting. love that. I love that. So what's yeah. been the biggest uh, or most common mistake you've come across with your clients? 
that they've made. Yeah, they've made. What do you see? Mm, the first thing that comes to mind, but probably might not be the most important or uh, prevalent is just not making, because a lot of what I deal with is inbound marketing, which is creating content and, you know, putting great content out there about your business um, digitally and online and stuff. So I think that a lot of the businesses I work with don't take time to create original content. And um, I don't, I think part of it is they don't understand how important it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also think that they just don't make the time to do it. I'm, I guess maybe I'm thinking a little more about like my, my independent clients, you know, like my influencers, entertainers, authors, speakers, um, that, um, I guess convincing them that they need to create original content and like constantly be doing that. But I also think kind of what we talked about early, just not goal setting and not realizing what they're working towards. And so they never really know if they're getting there or what they need to change to get there or do differently to get there, what's working, what's not working, just not really paying attention to the details Mm. in their business, you know, just trying to get through every day. And that's it. As far as them having issues with original, creating original content, how much of that is that they don't know, like, do they not have a platform or do they not have a cultivated message that can sell or what's the issue? It's, it's a lot of different reasons. Some people, even though they're public figures, do not like to be in front of the camera. Um, I can assist and have in creating content and give direction. Uh, it's just a lot of them still don't want to get in front of the camera. They're for one reason or another. Um, they have a platform. Um, some, are, some are good at it. Some aren't. It doesn't even mean getting in front of the camera. It could mean writing. It could mean blogging. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways they can create content and put it out there. And so I just, um, am almost always finding resistance, trying to get my clients to create original content. Mm-hmm. Um, I can work with them. I can interview them and I can create the content and I've done that, but it's always best, especially if it's, um, a vi- video, you know, shorter mm-hmm. long form video, if they're doing it themselves. Um, and it's just not a priority. I, I think I've tried to explain the importance of it, but. Why is it that they want to do that? Is it because they're busy? They don't know how they don't have the skill set or they don't, they don't, they don't prioritize it. Um, these days, especially when you're working with me, it's not about knowing how, because I'll walk my clients through it. You know, I know exactly what they need to do and how they need to do it. I think it's just becomes not a priority. And, um, there's just, you know, I've done, I've, I've, I've worn all the hats. I know there's a million other things in their mind Mm -hmm. that they think, you know, so I'm just a piece of (laughs) the puzzle for them as business owners. And of course, I think my piece is the most important piece, (laughs) but to them, to them, not always the case. Um, so I don't know, it's, it's kind of a challenge, but. Okay. So I know we talked a little bit about failure and how maybe failure is not really can be looked at negatively. Maybe we can look at it positively. How, how do you define success? I think, I don't think there's one way to define it. Again, I keep saying this, but I think it could be monetary. Of course, you know, if you invest your money or someone else's money in a business, you definitely want to get that money back and more. So you want to return on investment. And I think that is maybe one of the benchmarks of success. I think also for me is if you can help people and make people's lives better through what you're producing or mm, what you're doing. I, like that. I think that that is um, a benchmark of success. And then I think also personal growth, you know, like if I'm growing and I'm 
learning and I'm happy and I'm experiencing joy while I'm doing all these other things. Mm -hmm. I think that's um, a benchmark of success. So I would say that, like, how many people, how are you making a difference in the world? Um, are you making money and getting a return? And then also how that business is affecting you personally yeah. would be those three things. And so in your personal journey, what advice would you have given yourself like before you even started One Green Street? Knowing what you know now, what advice would you tell yourself? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, well, I, I'm a go, I'm a, I'm just a big personality. So I went really big right out of the gate with One Green Street. And um, looking back, I honestly, I'm not even kidding. I really wouldn't have done anything different. But what I probably should have done and I would probably still be in business I should have started smaller, should have gotten a proof of concept going, mm. got a smaller space, maybe, um, maybe even like a little truck or a little tiny house or I don't know, or maybe even online, like I could have tested the concept online. Interesting. Um, okay. So yeah, I think that's the only thing I think I sh if I if I would have not just just out of the gate did a build out a 3000 square foot build out of, mm -hmm. you know, 300 grand or whatever we, you know, if I would have just started a little smaller, but I wanted to like go for it. I just had this vision. I know exactly what the store should look like and feel like and, and I just, you know, there was no stopping me. So can't really go back. You had the vision. Think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But maybe editing the vision, you know, <laughs> edit your, probably. Edit your vision. That's pretty funny. <laughs> edit my vision a little bit. Um, but I, I do think that I, I needed to have the store to do what I'm doing now. And what I'm doing now, I think I've told you is I believe what I absolutely should be doing and will be doing till I can't do anything anymore. Like I can do this into my eighties and nineties. If I, mm -hmm. even if it's one, one client that I'm helping. So um, and the other thing is the store, when you own a retail store, you are married to it. Like literally I had no life. Nope. And with the consulting business, I can do this anywhere. Um, my husband and I can be on the beach in Mexico and I can be, you know, <laughs> helping clients, clients. So I'm doing what I meant to do for sure. I'm so I'm happy to it. see that. And I can see in your face how your energy is so bright and you're such a beautiful person. And, um, yeah, I'm, I only wish you the best Sherry. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you. So, so in your business, um, you've created something called a jolt session, which is basically a two hour one-on-one -on -one consulting session. That's very intense. What's that process like? Yes. Thank you for asking. So I literally created the jolt session because of the experience I had owning a business. I, I did hire a marketing team at one point and you know, all that, but it's, it's not cheap to hire a marketing firm an advertising firm. Um, and some business owners, instead of doing nothing, I thought I need to come up with something where every business owner can afford it and it will make some kind of difference. And so I created the jolt session. I call it a jolt session because it's just meant to give your business a jolt, just move the needle from where you are just ever so slightly to where you towards where you want to be in a small amount of time for a small amount of money. So it's $175 for two hours. I do a, um, I send ahead of our jolt session, I send like a questionnaire and then we just get right into it for two hours. And I've had many people say, 
oh my gosh, I literally felt a jolt after <laughs> we've had our session because they just feel energized. They're Electrified. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh yeah, you know, okay. Yeah, Sherry, that's, I just needed that little bit of something, something. And um, many of my jolt session clients become clients because they appreciate my expertise and business acumen and they want to hire me on a retainer basis. And that's fine if they don't. Um, and I've had a couple of clients who've had done several jolt sessions over the yeah. years. They're like, I need, it's been a year. I need another jolt session. And that's yeah. all we do is jolt sessions. I love the name um, of it. I love how you named that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're very, very effective. I love doing them too, because it really does give them that little help, little push that they need. And it's so. free. I think that could be applied to anybody, regardless of where you are in your business or your career. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, even if you're just working on your personal brand, if you're an executive at a company or you're trying to get a new position in a company, somebody like Sherry can really help you. You don't even have to have a product. You are the brand. Remember that. So um, having, regardless of where you are in life, even having that rejolting session would be very valuable. Like I could probably, I definitely need something like that. (laughs) I feel like, I I feel like I'm one of those that probably needs like it like twice a year because I need a little boost. But you know, I think not just a boost, but it helps you kind of like get you out of your tunnel vision and helps you to kind of see things from a different perspective that somebody is really in your corner who really wants to see you succeed and like is very passionate about your success and not just because there's $175 invested, which by the way is nothing. Um, but you know, that can, that is just like, it's like a taste of something that you could have and you don't know what that taste is like until you try it. And I know Sherry is doing like a, I think you're doing a 30 minute free consultation, right? I will for your listeners. Oh, yes. If they tell, you. if they tell me that they heard um, me on your show, then yes, I will do that awesome. for sure. Well, I know you've got your website, central515.com. And you can also find yep. Sherry on LinkedIn. Her last name is Eichberger. Information will be in the show notes. So you can find her uh, contact information there. Um, but yeah, so as far as your jolt session, does, is that done remotely? How do you do that? I've done it during the pandemic. I did a couple of them um, through Zoom, um, but I mostly like to do them in person. Um, it just helps me because I get into your environment and sometimes there's show and tell aspects, you mm-hmm. know, um, maybe it's something logistic wise, um, like within a retail environment or a hospitality type environment that I need to be there in person to do. Um, so I prefer to do them in person, but I have done them over Zoom. Like if you're in another state or something and you need help, I can do that. Um, I can do it that way also. How would you describe the customer? Like who, like for example, if somebody's doing a jolt session, what kind of experience would they have working through that process? A lot of times as a business owner, your mind is all over the place because you're doing a million different things. So one of my goals is to get you completely centered and focused for that two hours on exactly what the issue is that you want to address. It could be more than one. It could be something where um, I had a mortgage company many years ago who was wanting to do a name change and a logo change. And a lot of times you have family and you have people around you, but like you said, you need a completely neutral person that knows business that's not invested in you personally to give you objective feedback. And sometimes that's all you need is like, I just need someone outside of my sphere of influence to tell me what they think. And so I went through the jolt session um, on the name change, the logo look, the logo colors, the direction, the brand direction. And then I ended up working with this mortgage company for two and a half, almost three years. And I'm probably just recently going to start working with them again. So um, it could be, 
something like that. But again, like the goal is always that they get something out of it. And, you know, we're not going to change the world in two hours. You know, I'm not going to solve all your business issues in two hours, but every single one I've done, and I've done over a hundred of them, something has been accomplished in a positive way in those two hours. What are some examples of the problem statements that people come to you with in a jolt session? So it could definitely be um, a re- it could be a reputation management situation. Um, not really knowing. I had one client that had um, was struggling with Yelp reviews and the staff and how they responded and handled them. And um, it could be, like I said, it could be a branding issue. It could be a name change issue. It could be an employee retention issue, which I've helped. Um, you know, talk about staffing and rewarding and um, recognizing employees and how to solve some employee retention issues. It's always different, Dahlia, to be honest. It's really hard to say. But like I said earlier on in in your show, um, I don't go into a jolt session without some pre-work. Like Mm -hmm. I need to know, I need to have a brief conversation with you. I have a little um, um, questionnaire because I really want to use every minute of our time together wisely and help you. And so I already kind of had a good idea based on conversation and brief questionnaire of what we need to tackle Mm -hmm. um, during that time. And it's always something different. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So like you said before, they might have an idea in mind, but then when they sit down and talk to you, you kind of uncover some other things that they might not even see. Yeah. It's probably, yes, probably all the time. The last one I did, it was interesting because that's exactly what happened. It was about um, it was about a staffing issue that they wanted to discuss with me, and we ended up solving some big issue about their social media. Oh, and so there there was nothing going into it that I thought we were going to discuss about their social media platforms and how they were handling or handling it, um, or you know the strategy involved. And and he ended up being like, oh my gosh, this this was amazing. I didn't realize blah blah blah. You know, it was about social media, and we thought it was going to be about something else. So mm-hmm. that happens sometimes. Yeah. That's well, that's okay. Well, I'm so happy that you came on the show, Sherry. It's been really nice to see you and talk to you again. And uh, I'm excited about your jolt session. I need to figure out how to schedule that for myself. Except I don't really know, like I've got so many things that I feel like I need to address. I I don't know. Like it's a continuous evolution of just stuff that needs like it's always a bunch of balls in motion it's like I don't know what to grab from the sky but (laughs) But, well hit me hit me up I'll be happy to help you we'll figure it out (laughs) well thank you so much Sherry for being on the show today it's been a pleasure thank you so much I've enjoyed I want to keep going (laughs) I'm so proud of you too because um, like you said we don't see each other often but you're always if there's an opportunity where I can get you involved I'm thinking about you and just watching from afar through social media and just, you know, cheering and oh, so proud of that you means and a lot all your to accomplishments. Me. Thank you so yeah. much, Sherry. It's, uh, yes, it's hard to sit still. And yeah. uh, I'm finding that working is kind of a coping mechanism. And so yes. I, and I feel like I'm, I'm probably not the only one that would say that. I'm probably the only one that might admit it publicly. <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> but, yes. But, uh, yeah. So, but I appreciate you saying that it means a lot. I just keep on going. I, my, I fail to smell the roses, though. Yeah, yeah. You might need to work on that work-life balance thing. Yes, I need some help. But yeah, I appreciate you, Sherry. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you so much again. 
Yes, I know your podcast is going to be a huge success like everything you touch. And thank you again for having me. I appreciate that. That is so sweet. Thank you so much, Sherry. Have a wonderful day. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, please subscribe to Making It to Market wherever you listen to podcasts or listen from our website, makingittomarket.com. Thank you for your honest five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And a special thanks to our show sponsors. Without your support, I wouldn't be able to do this. As you know, Making It to Market is a new show and I need your help to get the word out. Feel free to share links to your favorite episodes. You don't want to miss the next one. If there's a topic you'd like to hear, have a comment, or even a question you'd like for me to address, feel free to leave me a voice message on our podcast phone line. And if we air your question or comment in an upcoming episode, we'll send you a Making It to Market t-shirt or mug. Details are in the show notes. Before you leave, check out this local musical duo from Houston, Texas, my friends, Kim and Bill.com. Thanks for listening. Until the next time, make decisions that make a difference. Growing up, I was hooked.